Welcome to Null Pointers with your hosts, Mark Alibone, Gerald Slows, and Stephen Davison. Today we will be talking about our takeaways from Build 2020. During a minute between attending sessions, we thought we would get together, hop on this podcast and share our thoughts on the latest announcements and releases that happened during Build. But before we go into the topics, we thought we would discuss how it is attending one of these virtual conferences. Guys, what do you think? Is it great? Is it not so great? Uh, I don't know. I think it's it's great that everyone is, is doing something. Uh, I do feel there is a lot. Um, it, I mean, normally you're aware of a certain number of events and now they're all coming at you. Um, so it, it suddenly feels like there's a lot more. Um, and also, it's it's again, I appreciate all the effort that goes into it and how everyone is arranging it to be awesome. But, um, you know, it's, it's just a different vibe. Um, you, I mean, a lot of the conference things is about meeting each other, having drinks, having fun, seeing each other in, in a different setting. Um, so this is all about the content, which is very awesome as well. It's very inclusive because uh, that's that's one of the things I do like about it. Uh, people that do not get to go for whatever reason, normally a lot of this stuff is suddenly for free. Um, so that's very awesome that, that everyone gets to go, quote, unquote. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't know. There's there's definitely good things, but there's also some downsides to it. Yeah, it's it's definitely people are trying to make the best out of a bad situation. Um, and and like Gerald said, meeting people is is more than half the fun usually, um, because obviously some of the announcements are pretty awesome. But yeah, it's it's just that the announcement and. You, you go and play with it the day after or when you get back home or it's it's just different yeah and then there's of course the whole issue with with different time zones i think that that goes back to when we talked about like working from home um and and also in a distributed team uh, if you work across time zones it's a little bit the same with this now with the whole build stuff happening i mean this is going on for 48 hours straight even more maybe um, so it's very easy to just get caught up in all the conversations happening on Twitter, all the live streams, all the things that are happening around it. And before you know it, you didn't sleep for three days. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, that can be an issue where you can get sucked in. But I think it's really nice from the effort that Microsoft is now putting into this conference to accommodate all time zones, even though you really have to be aware to not get sucked in into all these different conversations and interesting new things popping up left and right. Uh, I also agree that while virtual is really great because I could attend from home, um, it also is it's a bit strange because since you're at home or you're in that home office working from here, it's quite hard for me right now to sometimes like uh, keep work and life at bay so I can fully focus uh, on a session. So I'm also looking forward to some of the recordings to catch up on uh, what all these great tweets were about that I missed out watching it live when it happened. There are definitely tweet storms happening all over the place. Um, <laughs> as, as soon as something's announced, 
feels like half my following list is is tweeting about it um so it's it's kind of hard to miss yeah so like i said it 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 all has its good and bad sides right so one of the things that i really that really stood out uh for i don't know if it was for all sessions or or how they did it uh but again the inclusion part is really cool uh under the video player there was an icon of two hands. Uh, it, they were probably, come to think of it now, they were probably signing something. Um, but when you click on it, you you couldn't only uh, enable the closed captions, so the, the subtitles, but you could also enable um, a sign language artist. I'm going to call them artists. They're awesome. Um, so it, you would see in the, in the upper right corner a person that was um, translating... All the everything that was said in into sign language. So, yeah, that's also something that is not typical on a in person conference. Uh, but yeah, this this live this uh, virtual thing enables stuff like that as well. So that I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I totally agree. So, what were some of your favorite topics that were announced or brought to your minds during the last couple of hours? I think as a as a Xamarin developer, there's no way to get around the new .NET multi-platform app UI, affectionately known as MAUI. Basically, meaning that moving forward with Xamarin Forms, it's it's the new evolution of it. There, there's obviously as as MVPs, we've all sort or well, not all MVPs, but MVPs and Microsoft employees, I should say, we've we've heard about it before. But it it really has, from what I've seen on on the Twitterverse, it it has sparked a lot of interest in people. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think this will bring a number of things that people have been asking for for a long time, uh, while keeping everything that everyone is loving today. Um, so I think the big idea here is to uh, pull some things apart um, while keeping everything as much backwards compatible as possible. So you will still have your XAML. You can still do all the things that you are doing today. Uh, that will be in the package whenever this um, uh, new framework is launched or the evolution of Xamarin Forms. Uh, but this, the plans that they're uh, having uh, also enable other things like not just using XAML and and MVVM, but also using things like MVU that you see on other frameworks like uh, Flutter or uh, React Native or that kind of stuff. Uh, I think I'm not entirely sure. I don't have a lot of experience there. Um, but that's a lot of things that people have been asking for for a long time. Like, why are you not doing that? Um, and with the changes that are coming to um, this new multi-platform app UI, um, yeah, the road will be will be cleared for all that stuff, um, and of course there will also be um, a lot of learnings that um, have been uh, taken from Xamarin Forms. Uh, so in terms of the renderers, so if you if you've never worked with it, um, Xamarin Forms is an abstraction layer over all the native controls, um, and by the usage of renderers, um, the abstraction layer, so an abstracted button, for instance, will get translated into the native button um, equivalent. So um, a lot of stuff happens in these renderers, and um, we also learned a lot from that on how to do certain things or how to not do certain things. So all these learnings will be incorporated in this new version. 
Um, so yeah, there's a lot of lot of good stuff happening there. I agree. It, there's a lot of cool stuff coming along, uh, starting from quite simple things like rearranging how the app projects are laid out. So for those that are not so familiar with Xarin Forms uh, or how it works is it allows you to write your apps uh, one time and then run them natively on different platforms. So currently it's uh, iOS, Android, UWP, uh, but also macOS and uh, Linux uh, are supported. You could even write it for web um, with a Wii. But uh, with the new platform, with the new standard, um, it, it has come a bit more together. And uh, with by rewriting the uh, rendering engine or how that's done, uh, there will also be different approaches possible how you can write um, your mobile apps or your native apps. So I think there will be a Blazor um, approach. How so you can use the same. Uh, the same way how you would write UIs uh, in a Blazor style, uh, but you can then run your apps natively on your mobile phone, which I think is something really cool to do. Yeah, and what I what I personally like is that they're they're taking their time for it. Obviously, they they have the the opportunity to start fresh, like Gerald already said, and and rethink a lot of stuff that they might not have been that happy about. Um, in Xamarin forms, simply because it, it evolved like that over time. It's it's really hard to go back and correct past mistakes. But yeah, with, with it being postponed until the .NET 6 wave, probably mainly because the because of the Corona crisis stuff, and also because .NET 5 is not a, a long-term support version. Um, so, so moving it back into .NET 6, which is 2021 um, or end of 2021, that, that gives them a lot of time to, to get their stuff in order and, and restructure a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think the timing will be uh, in .NET 5, there will be the first preview version, right? Um, and they've announced at Build that the launch of .NET 5 will be in November when .NET Conf, another event, uh, is happening. Uh, .NET Conf is, uh, is always been uh, virtual, so that will be uh, certainly the case for this year. So then the first preview will be out also for uh, for Maui. Um, and then indeed they will, uh, from what it looks like now, they will have a yearly cadence of .NET 6 will happen in November 2021, .NET 7 in uh, 2022, etc., etc. Uh, so and for .NET 6 right now, it's planned for uh, for Maui to uh, be released and, and be generally available, right? And... Um, yeah, indeed, it will it will also be a long term support version. So, um, yeah, they they take their time to to get everything ready, um, and that's probably a good thing. Absolutely, and one of my favorites about this is that you can actually already today hop onto GitHub and look at the project, and you can already give feedback on how it is being created today. And I really like the thought of that, that this uh, framework is also being developed in the open as it was with Xarin Forms. And you can see how they will progress over the year until, or over the year and a half until it will be then uh, finally released in 2021, ready for under the Christmas tree. Yeah, so find that on github.com slash .net slash Maui. So on to other bits. Other bits, hot bits. I, I really liked the whole static web apps thing yes, personally. That was cool. So for people that, that don't know what that means, it's it's been 
around for a while where you basically have a, uh, a static website or our podcasts website is also using similar technology um, which is uh, basically just a bunch of markdown files that get converted into a website um, through in our case i think a github action or some sort of pipeline and they're now also creating something similar on azure using static web apps yeah so that's that's indeed like you say we are using this also for um, our our podcast website uh, nopointers.io um, and that is hosted on github pages um, i wouldn't even be surprised if that um, also runs on the static web uh, apps on on azure uh, to be honest uh, but yeah it's it's really cool because it's it just generates static html so for your um, uh, really simple websites or it can be it, i mean people are running complete blogs on this right uh, people who who like writing uh, markdown files um, and then it will generate into static html websites so it's basically unhackable um, it is very fast um, at least if you if you don't have a very big um, uh, website uh, when it's when it's growing then it, it might get a little bit slower but still um, you will probably always be faster than the WordPress PHP instance that I have running somewhere. Um, so that's really cool. And one thing I really liked about this is um, um, that whenever you open a PR, uh, I think it's then linked to GitHub, right? Um, so whenever you open a PR or, or uh, link that to, to these uh, static web apps, uh, is it called web apps or is it static web pages? I don't know. Um, but anyway, if, if you open a PR for that, it will automatically create a staging URL. Um, so you will have a separate URL where you can go to and you can have a look at the changes that are in that actual PR, uh, but not yet merged, but you will still have a URL to see what it looks like um, whenever it, it will be merged. And that's something really cool. Absolutely. I can see a few scenarios where that would be really nice to see the page generated uh, in the pull request before you actually merge it. Um, On to some other topics. Uh, I, I saw some really cool stuff plopping up on some presenters' windows, which were then like linked away. Did you see the power tools that are now available for Windows 10? Or at least they have only been brought to my attention during build? No. Um. <laughs> Okay, uh, maybe maybe that might be because you two are mainly uh, wandering away uh, on, on macOS, but um, it seems like we finally got a spotlight thing that you got on Mac. You can now pop it up on, on Windows and enter some commands, and they also put in some other nice nifty tools, like you can now resize images quite easily uh, from the File Explorer, and uh, I'm really looking forward to to give that a, a tryout as soon as I get the time to get the things installed. Uh, we'll put the link to the project in our show notes. You can also find it on GitHub. It's open source, so another thing that's really cool. So that the thing I don't understand about Power Tools is why is it not just included in Windows 10? Um, I, I, I think the Power Tools have been around since I I, I remember playing with. I don't know, Windows 98 or something, and then the power tools, maybe it was called a little bit different, but they were around back then. But why why are these in a separate package? Why is it not just a feature of... That is a really interesting question, but just to correct you, it's actually been around since Windows 95, and they, they put a link onto the original power tools 
in the GitHub repository, so you can uh, you can have some nostalgia moments and check them out. I don't know. Uh, for me, it's a, a no-brainer to include them into the operating system, uh, but I'm sure they have thought this through why it's not in or not in yet. Who knows? Maybe one day it will be there. I noticed on the on the Hanselman keynote, he was he was using those fancy zones. I think he called them which is pretty much like a, a predefined window layout that you can drag windows uh, in and out of, which, which looked really, really nice. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's also part of those power tools. So yeah, as I said, if you're a Windows 10 user, uh, be sure to check them out because I think we're missing out on something when we don't have them installed. Another cool little thing that I... Uh, spotted on i think it actually was on twitter is that the v, v wsl uh, which is basically linux console running on windows uh now supports the gpu and that means also the the ui so you got graphical user interfaces which you can now run and since it now supports the gpu what that means is you can run the linux version of tensorflow on windows and I think from the comments, that must be quite cool. I'm not enough into that space to really make a sophisticated comment on that, but um, I really ha I really like this console. Uh, I have used it in the past for, for certain projects and it's really helpful because it means you don't have to fire up a total new virtual machine just to use a Linux console, but you can actually get the full power of a Linux uh, bash console on your Windows machine uh, without any big hassle to get to get there. Yeah, so that's that. This is way out of my comfort zone. I mean, I I know a little bit my way around that stuff, but not to this extent. But I think they they've implemented a full like Linux kernel now, right? It's it's nothing virtualized or anything. It's just there is a Linux kernel now included in Windows, and it 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 seems now it's also supporting the GPU, and you can run. Uh, the GUI, so you can run the graphical user interface uh, that that is provided with Linux, and you can basically run full blown Linux inside of Windows, inside of a VM, inside of Azure. I don't know. Absolutely is, bananas. I'm completely confused. So that's that's really cool stuff. And uh, one of the things also included with the power tools and everything, what I somewhere noticed is. That that was a, an announcement. Maybe it was also in the in the Hanselman keynote. The WinGet. Um, so you have NuGet, you have um, Chocolaty, or how do you how do you pronounce it? Uh, you have NPM, you have all kinds of package managers. Uh, but now you also have WinGet, and that seems to be like um, I think the most similarity with the Chocolaty that I mentioned. Um, you can basically just install portable versions of um, applications by just a console, right? That that's what it is. Yeah, it's it's just a few console commands from what I could could tell in the quick demo. Um, so you're just gonna open up a console, put in winget install and and the package name of what you want to install, and it should go grab the latest and greatest and and install it on your PC. So something like Visual Studio Code or, or other developer tools, they're they're easily installable through that and us as developers, we, we do love our package managers. So it, it really was, obviously, your your mom's not going to do that, probably. So um, it, it is really a developer-focused experience. Um, 
but yeah, we we love our little terminals. Except except when your mum is is an awesome developer, then she might use it too. Now I'm really looking forward to using this tool. I'm just saying because my mum used to be a developer, um, but um, I think I'm really looking forward to this because this means I could actually script my setup at one point maybe. So if I ever feel the need to reinstall uh, my operating system because I just installed too many tools that seem to not like each other. Just flush it, install the essentials, and that's great. I really like that. Not having to sit next to my computer to make next, accept, next, 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 install. Yeah, exactly. So that that is really cool. Um, so it, it can really, I mean, you have all these scripting kind of things and the, the what's it called? You can have a certain state that you push onto windows i think uh, that's for for like the sys admins that kind of people um, who would like to install pre-install applications on on users machines uh, but this makes that so much easier and also for for developers um, and you can also use this well if i look at myself now with the whole code spaces story uh, where you can just spin up a um, developer machine in the cloud as well uh, this will come in very handy that you can just say, okay, win, get, install. Um, I, I, I'm looking at a blog page right here with, with some examples. You can do win, get, uh, win, get, install terminal, win, get, install PowerShell, win, get, install the power toys that we just talked about. Um, so you can do, do all that and it's it's three commands and you have, um, yeah, three applications on your machine and it's probably win, get, uninstall terminal and, and it's gone again. So that, that's really easy. and um, very powerful to use. Talking about a terminal, who's using the Windows terminal? I am. Well, that's a surprise because Steven <laughs> is on Mac. So um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm doing both now, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm still using Mac mostly, but I'm also back on the Windows now for a little. Welcome. Um, and I, one of the things that I really like is the Windows terminal. Um, so if you don't know Windows terminal, um, you probably know the command line, the old command line, which basically shows you the old DOS box kind of thing where you can type commands. Uh, but Windows Terminal is like the, the evolution of that as well, uh, where you can host basically uh, different kinds of terminals. There you can also have a Linux terminal or a PowerShell terminal or the old, um, I'm gonna just going to name it DOS uh, command line terminal. Um, and it looks pretty, it's, it's rendered. You can make your own font, uh, into there. Uh, I think you can even do backgrounds and animations and it's crazy what you, what you can do with that. Um, it's really, really cool stuff. It has been in preview for a long time. And now, uh, with this build, they have released a version 1.0. So that means that everyone can use it and, um, it's awesome. Mark, what are, what are your thoughts? You are the one using it most of us probably yeah no i i really like uh to be able to open up different kinds of uh shells terminals so if you got the uh vsl installed as we mentioned before i can now open that up in the windows terminal so i got multiple tabs and i can also open up the azure cloud shell um which is like the command line interface into azure and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite cool that you got all these things packed into here and also being able to customize it and use all nice little, all these nice little tools to just personalize it. I really like using it. And uh, so it's now 1.0. Uh, you can get it from the Windows Store. Um, be sure to check it out. 
and you will find, I think, a ton of blog posts when you Google for it, how you can customize it, how you can make your unique background cat uh, or kitten picture there, uh, dog, whatever your favorite uh, pet may, may be. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. All right, what else do we got? I think there has been, is there any news on the .NET 5 story? Um, we've talked about that in our last episode. So um, if you've missed that, go uh, listen to it. Uh, but a short recap is .NET 5 is coming. It will be just .NET, no more .NET Core, .NET Standard, .NET Framework, not, no, no more of that stuff. Um, it will be just one .NET that runs anywhere. Has there been any mind-blowing announcement around that? Well, maybe not around that, but um, another tool that I've been looking uh, to play with uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, is Blazor, uh, which is uh, a way how you can write your web frontends uh, fully in uh, C Sharp. Um, there's also a, uh, a version of that for F Sharp called Bolero. And now Blazor has always been server side, so all your websites have still been rendered on the server. And uh, Blazor was originally created around the idea of being able to run in the client. So it's like a single page application, uh, a JavaScript, uh, which you usually do uh, with JavaScript frameworks. And now Blazor is officially supported to run uh, on WebAssembly. So you will be able to compile your C Sharp so it runs in the browser. I will say this. It is a bit like Silverlight, but the big difference to Silverlight is you don't have to install a plugin. So all major browsers support WebAssembly from the get-go. And this means that you can now write C-sharp web frontends, similar like you would do with JavaScript, uh, in a nice statically typed language, uh, which keeps you sane. There, I said it. This other thing that I heard about during the whole build thing is LearnTV. What's that all about? I mean, it is this non-stop learning that we're gonna get learn tv so there there it is that's the jingle right there um nice. <laughs> uh, so i must be honest i i don't know anything concrete about it uh from the announcements that have been at build um, i know it's launching after build i think there's there's this kind of separate launch uh, event for it uh, but yeah what it will be uh, we've also used this concept during build actually um, kind of related to build, there has been a live stream on Twitch, um, which was really cool because there was one. Um, it's it's going to be a bit technical if you're if you're into this. There is a RTMP server um, that is just sending the stream from from build to that Twitch channel. Uh, but whenever someone with the right key to the right server locks on, it will switch automatically uh, without having to have any human intervention to that live stream and it will stream that to the channel. So um, someone can just come in at their time slot and stream to, to that channel. Um, and I think that is very basic uh, what they will be doing for Lure TV. So yeah, there will be a schedule of 24-7 live streaming basically. Um, where all kinds of awesome people throughout Microsoft will just hop on. Um, maybe that that's the part where I'm unsure. Maybe they will have their own shows or their their fixed time slots every week or every two weeks. I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, but there will be 24-7 uh, content. Um, I mean, we have that right now with Channel 9, with everything on YouTube, everything on Twitch, whatever. 
uh, well, not not so much Twitch uh, because that's that's all the live stuff, and that's going to be the big difference here. It's going to be live, so you will have uh, the ability to ask questions, to interact, to learn what you want to learn. Um, there is the whole learn platform. I don't know if it was launched at Build last year. Um, at least it was launched somewhere sometime. Um, so that's I think it's Microsoft.com/learn or something. Uh, which is really cool stuff, and I'm I'm kind of surprised that it's not really really taken off more than it than it has right now. Um, did did you ever use anything from that? Yeah, uh, we have been using that in the company, uh, especially to onboard um, juniors onto new technologies. Uh, I know that there for quite some time has been the Xamarin uh, class framework that has been migrated over from Xamarin University to the Learn platform. And uh, it was really great to give them uh, an oversight and to get them up to speed on the basics to learn stuff. And as far as I remember, they're also for all kinds of technologies like ASP.NET Core, etc. Um, courses out there, which you can view for free and they really get you up to speed. Uh, so you know how to get into bigger trouble. That's like I like to yeah. put it yeah exactly so but the cool the really cool thing I, I i i think is about the whole learn stuff is um that it's all free that that is a a first thing so everyone can use it everyone can learn which is important number two they've implemented uh gamification so you can earn badges and, and xp and that kind of stuff um, so i'm a sucker for that then i always have to get all the points and do all the things uh, but number three is like really cool and there again I'm just plugging code spaces into everything right here. Um, I see a very big chance and opportunity for code spaces here because what they already have in place uh, is that you can spin up um, environments for all these different modules that they have. I think you can even uh, do some some Xamarin and Xamarin Forms uh, learn modules that you mentioned without having any SDK or, or IDE installed on your own machine. Uh, whenever you want to, you can spin up a VM in Azure or that will happen for you automatically. You can log in, you can compile your app right there so you can learn the stuff that you've just read about um, actually by doing. And I think I, I think you do need an Azure subscription, but I think all the things that are spun up um, are for free. Um, and I think it also has some, some editors like in the web page itself that compiles probably through the web assembly things. Um, so you can run your code, check if it actually works without ever leaving the whole learn platform. So that's really cool. And now they're adding, um, learn TV to this, where you can have actual teachers teaching you interact with them, with the questions that you still might have from, from reading the documentation. So, um, as you, as you might get from this, I'm really excited about this really cool stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff coming. And it's, it's also like the when you want to learn something there's there's nothing worse than your own little environment not cooperating so getting one spun up for you in the cloud and just getting started with what you're actually trying to do which is learn is is really a great great solution that's so true i think there are some it's it's always such a, a bummer when you are getting excited for new technology you want to try it out and then you get stuck setting up your machine until you finally can can get to do stuff. Now, obviously, uh, at Build, um, there has been a, a ton of Azure announcements, and uh, I think we um, all agreed uh, beforehand that uh, we are so underqualified to give this section, uh, but we, we wanted to give our best. So, so what's your highlight 
from build for Azure? Code spaces. Wow. Yeah, we. I think a lot of this stuff touches Azure, right? I mean, that's that's basically they're trying to tie all the things together. Um, Azure's everywhere. Yeah, Azure's everywhere. Uh, what what things Azure? I think there has been announced a couple of new. That's always uh, fun things. A couple of new uh, cognitive services things, or like the the AI stuff. Um, that's always very interesting. Um, but, I, but, 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 but you put me on the spot here. I don't I don't really have one ready for you. Well, Sorry. you're welcome. I was I was already happy when I when I logged into my Azure Functions dashboard and saw that it changed. That that made me a <laughs> what changed? Happy what camper. changed? Well, they they moved some stuff around and reworked some some pages that I felt were a bit of a drag to get through uh, to where you want to be. So it, it's it's minor, I guess. I mean, it, it doesn't compare to quantum computing in, in any way, but um, yeah, it's it, it just something small that I noticed when I logged in. Yeah, so putting Gerald on the spot and uh, having the new functions UI, you see we, we are the real pros. Uh, one thing that I got a glimpse from was uh, the ARM templates, uh, the Azure, Azure Resource Managing templates, which were Previously, you had to write them with JSON, and there were also ways how you could put in variables and functions, and it was all defined in JSON. And uh, for most developers, it was quite confusing, to say the least. And uh, Microsoft has now announced that they will be developing a new language to write ARM templates. There are already uh, various third-party tools that you can use that build up on ARM templates, which will generate the JSON from you, but from a more eloquent approach of name it like that. Um, what One that comes to mind is a farmer. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'm looking forward to how this will be, uh, especially since uh, defining these templates um, is a real time saver once you get them done, if you have to spin up multiple times the same resources or the same instances. Yeah, so that's, that's I mean, ARM templates are very powerful. Uh, so what it does uh, for the people who are unaware, um, the ARM stands for Azure Resource Management Manager. I don't know one of one of both, um, and basically everything on Azure runs on these ARM templates, which are right now a big blob of JSON, um, and that JSON describes a whole environment. So that JSON can describe a VM, that JSON can describe a network. Uh, it can also describe your uh, static web app, and it can also describe your Azure function. Uh, basically, the, the, that is the whole database is made up. Uh, the whole Azure database is made up out of these JSON files, uh, which are the ARM templates, and they've opened that up for the public um, to make that easier. So you don't have to go through the Azure portal, like Stephen says, which can be a pain in in some points. Um, to get through all the things where you need. And if you have to do that each time, that is a very painful exercise. Um, and if you maybe want to um, build up your entire pipeline, which spins up um, dynamic VMs or uh, websites or whatever. If we go back to the static web apps, uh, before you could do in your continuous deployment, you could also create this um, PR and you could also create a staging environment for uh, the changes inside of that PR. Uh, but you would have to build that yourself. And one way to do it was through ARM templates. You could 
put together a piece of JSON, feed that to Azure, and Azure would spin up all the services for you. Um, so now they've taken that away with the with the web apps. They are probably doing that for you uh, in the exact same way. Uh, but what you can do with with that, those ARM templates is uh, yeah, uh, give that to Azure and it will spin up all the bits and pieces that are needed uh, and described in that template. So that's really cool. Uh, but why I never really use that is, yeah, because all the unreadable JSON and things that were needed. And um, it was it was very hard to create such a template. So all of, all of that stuff that we talked about so far is very businessy. All business, no fun. They they also announced Hololens two, but Stephen, that's serious business. Hololens two. I mean, if my manager is listening, Hololens two, serious business. Yes, we need it. Yeah, so it's it's going to cost a small fortune. Um, I would I would guess. Um, but yeah, has has anyone had any Hololens experience? Not with the two. I have some experience with the one. Uh, me too. I was able to have quite a few sessions with the HoloLens one. And it sounds like uh, the HoloLens one, when you wear it, you get like a little bit of fatigue because it's quite heavy on on the front side of your head uh, when you wear it. And uh, with the HoloLens 2, they distributed the weight more evenly. And so it should be a lot more comfortable to wear. And I hope I will one day be able to tell you how great it was my hololens 2 experience and um yeah i'm i'm looking forward to having it in europe around which will heighten my chances to have a go at it but it it doesn't matter because i think apple announced well only the, the apple doesn't announce things but they have leaked that they are working on um apple glass i think they're rumored to call it um so who needs a hololens then well, then I'll be looking forward to our WWDC recap. <laughs> Which is also virtual. Um, but yeah, the, Stephen, did you did you even, even ever wear a HoloLens thing? I did. I did. It, it A HoloLens one as well, like you said. And for pretty much nothing else than a gimmicky demo, I suppose. Obviously, there's a lot more you can do with this thing than just gimmicky demos um but i also i haven't seen it in the wild that much so i'm I'm not sure what people are actually doing with it to be honest yeah it is true there seems to be quite a few hololenses out in the wild um but i have seen some practical applications um before this talk i i had a quick chat with uh Gerald about this and he mentioned that uh, while it's all cool to have a call with your dad who's across the country to fix your plumbing um, it, it's like a, I think it's also a bit of a price point I mean these things are not super cheap and and you really have to have a business case where it's also makes sense money wise to, to use a device like that and um, so I guess there are some places in manufacturing where a lot of machinery is doing automated work where you want to have a, a service worker come onto the plant. He's maybe not always there and he will then find his way around or he can see how the machines are doing just by looking around. And a lot of the sensory in the HoloLens are really good. I mean, you can look at an object, a, a virtual object on your table and you can move your head around and it will not jitter a bit. And all those technologies they they really help to give you a really good uh, virtual experience but i think it's a new field 
Uh, I think right now it can be still quite a bit of effort to develop solutions for it. Uh, but as the hardware gets better and cheaper, um, I, I'm almost certain that HoloLens uh, or those technologies have got a really bright future because once you had one of those things on, I, I was sold. I was sold. I mean, this this thing will be something really cool. And I think that wraps up this episode uh, on Microsoft Build 2020. Uh, it has been your host, Mark Alibone. Gerald Slows. Stephen Tewison. And please let us know what your favorite announcement from Build has been uh, on Twitter uh, at nullpointers.io. Uh, thanks again for listening. Stay safe and hope to hear you next week on Null Pointers. Thank you.